Welcome back to our High Five, where we are celebrating five amazing things that God is doing in the life of One Church. Let's get started. Coming in at number five, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And at One Church, we're excited to celebrate that Jesus, our God, is here to save. So join us Christmas weekend online or at one of our outposts. All the service times can be found at church.one. So check it out and let's be praying for someone to share God's love with. Here at number four, over these past recent weeks, our global partner, African Women's Hope Initiatives, spent some time at our outposts. Their mission is in support of cooperatives in Rwanda, where women craft various products for our purchase. Well, through our partnership, we were able to raise over $1,300 in donations. And these donations will serve to share God's love with these cooperatives and support these Rwandan women looking to establish small business opportunities. So this high five goes out to what God does through these partnerships and sharing his love. In at number three, after service this past Sunday at our Rutland outpost, people gathered to assemble 50 blessing bags for the homeless living in Rutland. These bags included emergency blankets, hand warmers, gloves, chapstick, and also an invitation to our Christmas services at One Church. High five to you, Rutland. Here at number two for our Concord Outpost, this past Sunday marked the first of worship services in their new building. We are so thankful to God for his work there. For Pam and for Emma who attended, it also marked the day to celebrate what God is doing in their lives and they were baptized. Pam, Emma, this high five goes out to you. We're all celebrating this with you today. And finally, at number one, we're celebrating how God's love is changing people's lives. During worship services at our Bedford Outpost recently, four people who had given their lives to Jesus followed him in baptism. This includes Riley, Freddie, Sarah, and her son, Jude. It was a beautiful celebration of their faith in Jesus. And this kingdom-sized high five goes out to you guys today. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's High Five. We can't wait to see you in the next one. Here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is Christmas season. Most wonderful time of the year. We got some claps for Christmas season. We love Christmas season. The lights are up. We see people's trees going up and, and you're starting to, to get gifts for people. You're planning the, the meals that you eat only around this time of year. My wife made some of uh, these peppermint chocolate chip cookies that she only makes Christmas time and I already ate the whole tin. So they're delicious, but we look forward to stuff like that. We love it. We love the Christmas season, but there's some in our lives that maybe are a little bit more miserable this time of year. Maybe some characters in our lives that are a little bit more miserable, they hear that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and they have some objections. They hear the line, people telling you, be of good cheer, and they say, listen, you celebrate how you celebrate, I'm gonna celebrate how I celebrate, and let's just leave it at that. Then maybe some of us, we also hear the line of, hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. <laughs> No, no, thank you. We come across these different miserable characters around the Christmas season for some of our friends and family, maybe, maybe even for ourselves. And I think that the idea of a miserable character 
during the Christmas season is something that we all kind of know. We see it in our, in our movies that we watch every single year during the Christmas season. We have some iconic, miserable characters throughout the movies that are reserved for this time of the year. So I want to have some fun and kind of work through a list, a top 10 list of the most miserable Christmas characters that we come across in the movies that we watch. And maybe as we're going through this list, you might think, yeah, that kind of reminds me of somebody that I know. <laughs> oh, that type of character, yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's a lot like, and then we can fill in the blank there. So we ready, you wanna look at this list together. Here we go. Coming in at number 10 of the most miserable Christmas characters, we have the Central Park Rangers from the movie Elf. Ever since the Simon and Garfunkel concert, they were put on the naughty list and they never forgave him. They're out to debunk Santa Claus. They're out, they are out trying to get Santa Claus. Number nine, the Elf Foreman from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. All right, hear me, Hermie, Hermie's just trying to go out and live his best life. He wants to be a dentist. He's following his dreams. Yet the Elf Foreman comes in at him and he just goes, why weren't you at Elf practice? This poor guy, he is trying his best. He's having the, the elves work hard, he's having them sing songs for Santa Claus. He gets mad whenever they mess up. The tenor section was flat. This guy's having a miserable, miserable Christmas. Number eight, classic one, Mr. Potter. Oh, that Mr. Potter. He is raising up the rates in that affordable housing. He's making it miserable this Christmas season for those families. Number seven, one of the more iconic ones, the, 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 the Grinch. When Cindy Lou Who asks him, what is the meaning of Christmas? Here's the Grinch's response, vengeance. <laughs> this guy's having a miserable Christmas. He hates seeing other people have the Yule time tear, right? He despises it. He's trying to destroy Christmas. Number six, this guy's on the list just because of his looks, really. <laughs> the Burgermeister Meisterburger. And he's on the list in my book because I, he, that's a New Englander right there. I, I don't know. I, I think we all have someone that looks like that in our lives, a neighbor. Like this dude just got off a plow, all right? Or like he's working a sand truck or something. It's been a long night for Mr. Burgermeister. Meister, Mr. Meisterburger, whatever it is, he's pretty miserable this holiday season. Number five, the original Ebenezer Scrooge, a bah humbug to anybody that wishes him a Merry Christmas. Number four, my personal favorite from my favorite Christmas movie, got Scott Farkas. He had yellow eyes, his lips curled beneath his green teeth. Ralphie has one focus this Christmas season. He wants his Red Rider BB gun. That's all he wants, yet here's this bully getting in the way as he travels to and from school. Scott Farkas, what a miserable character. Now this next one might be controversial, but hear me out, okay? Number three, Schroeder. All right, you may be thinking that, here we go. So Schroeder, let's think about Schroeder here in, in what Charlie Brown is trying to do. Charlie Brown is trying to have a good Christmas. Charlie Brown wants the Christmas play to go well. He gives everybody their lines, he gives everybody their costumes, he's ready to go. And what happens when Charlie Brown yells, action, this guy, this jokester comes in with the song to interrupt his rehearsal. He is ruining Charlie Brown's Christmas. Then when Lucy comes up 
and she's trying to get him to play Jingle Bells. He starts going off on her about Beethoven. That's why I think Charlie Brown has that moment of retaliation against him where he puts the Christmas tree on the piano and all the needles fall off. Listen, my friends, when you watch this this Christmas season, you will not see Schroeder the same way. You're gonna see that Schroeder is a miserable Christmas character. And number two, number two, we have Harry and Marv, the Wet Bandits. These guys waiting for people to go leave on Christmas vacation, break in, steal all of their valuables, and then they destroy the home by clogging up the sinks, the Wet Bandits. They torment that little boy. They torment little Kevin. It's ridiculous. These guys are miserable. Then finally at number one, number one, we can fill in the blank for who you think the character in your life is that might be the most miserable this Christmas season. Now, the tricky thing is, is that character might also be you this Christmas season. You might be feeling a little bit miserable. It might be hard to feel joy this Christmas. Because the joy that we have comes from our Heavenly Father. That's the joy that we are celebrating. We love the lights. We love the Christmas trees. We love the songs that we sing. But really why Christmas is filled with joy is because we are celebrating the greatest gift of all. And that's the fact that our Heavenly Father, the fact that the creator of the heavens and the earth sent his son to walk with us sent his son to show us what it means to live a life in the pursuit of godliness, sent his son that would eventually be the eternal sacrifice for our sins, the eternal sacrifice for what's keeping us away from being in community with our heavenly father. Jesus took care of that, and that's the joy that we are experiencing this Christmas season. It's within that truth. But there's some of us and maybe ourselves that there's a special kind of misery that comes around during the Christmas season. Because you see other people that are surrounded by friends and family and maybe that's just not what's in store for you. Or maybe the people that you're around are telling you, listen, just be happy. Listen, just experience joy. This is the most wonderful time of the year. What's wrong with you? Why are you miserable? And you're left saying like, man, I don't, I don't know. Just at some point, Christmas started to feel a little bit different. Christmas can start to feel a little bit different when we feel that there's some disappointment and our disappointment that leads to misery. But I promise you that the joy that we have in Christmas has been given to us. The gift of Jesus has been given to us. The gift of our Savior has been given to us. It has been given to us. Jesus is for us as well. That's what the angels declared on that night when they appeared to the shepherds in the field. It's a verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It's our memory verse for the, the Christmas series that we're working through together. It's up on the screen. Here's, here's the truth that we have for us. Here's the promise that's for us. Can we read it together this morning, Franklin? It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There is a joy that has been promised to us. A savior has been born and he is the Messiah, the Lord. That is the promise to us. We can put our joy in that, a joy that is fulfilled in that. That's, what, that's where joy comes from. Joy is the fulfillment of the hope that we have. So when our hope is rooted in the promises of our heavenly father, then the joy that we get to experience is not far behind. 
And so this Christmas season, there's something more than some of the misery that we might be stuck in, we feel like we're stuck in, or maybe people in our lives feel like they're stuck in. Instead of misery, there can instead be joy. But the important thing is to keep in mind that we have to place our hope in the proper places. Our hope needs to be rooted in the promises that come from our Heavenly Father. Proper hope brings much joy. Proper hope brings much joy. Misplaced, misplaced hope will lead to disappointment. When we start to hope for things that God has never promised to us, that's when we start to get a little bit off track. That's when our heart starts to feel a little bit unsettled, where misery feels easier and easier to kind of settle into. But no, proper hope brings much joy so we can have our hope and our joy be rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Messiah that has been born to us. We're looking at a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, is talking about what is for us living in this hope that we have from our Heavenly Father. So verse nine starts with this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I think there's a lot of really powerful words, a lot, of, a lot of action words in that section that we just read. There's a love must be sincere, cling to what is good, be devoted to each other. Not, never be lacking in zeal, meaning this great energy or enthusiasm. It says keep your spiritual fervor, this intense passion or feeling. These words mean a lot. The, the zeal there, the fervor, the must, the cling, there's some weighty words there. And I think with those words, we are then called to have those feelings towards the hope that we have in God. See, we were created by love. God is, the, God is love. God is made up completely of love. We were made by love to receive love and then to give love out to those in our world, our neighbors, those people in our homes, in our workplaces. That's what we were made to do. So when we start to give our hearts away to other things other than the love of the Father, that's when we start to feel pretty unsettled. When we start to think that we have a fervor for the perfect Christmas, when we are clinging to the hope of, of the perfect gift, clinging to the hope of a perfect meal, clinging to the hope that this year maybe something will just go right. See, that's misplaced hope. That's hope that is outside of the promises that God has for us. See, and when we are clinging to the hope that God has for us and those promises, then the feeling of joy is not far behind. We get to be defined by joy because our hope is in God. We are defined by joy because we're defined by the love of the Father, and in the love of the Father, there is immense joy. 
Here's what joyful people get to be. This is what we get to be as joyful people defined by the hope of Christ. Joyful people are patient. Patient. Which sounds really nice. Being patient, doesn't that sound really, really great, really freeing? Because being patient then means that we're not getting worked up over everything. We're not looking to be wronged. We're not getting all up in arms whenever someone says something wrong to us. We're just patient through, affic- through affliction. It doesn't say that we're not gonna face hard times. It doesn't say that we're not gonna face trouble. But through that trouble, through those hard times, the joy sustains, the hope sustains. We get to be defined by patience. Joyful people are prayerful. Prayer, prayer is everything. Prayer is a communication with our creator. Prayer is being in communication with our heavenly father, the Lord Almighty. It's an opportunity to align our hearts with the heart of God. That's why we pray for one at one church. We ask every day, God, please give me one person to share your love with. And what that's doing, it's, our, it's aligning our heart with the heart of our Father. Where we are looking to share his love, not our love. We are, are looking and we're seeing people differently. We're seeing people not as burdens or as miserable people or any way to wrong us. We're seeing people as God's creation and he loves them. And since we're loving with his love, then we get to love them as well. And that's what prayer does. Prayer being in conversation with our heavenly father, transforming us from the inside out. Joyful people are generous. Joyful people are generous. I think we fall into this, and I think religion is guilty of this too, is that we come to the Christmas season and we just say, well, Christmas isn't all about gifts. And it's like, well, I don't know if you get this whole Christmas thing, uh, which may be shocking to hear. Like, we, what do you mean Christmas is about the gifts? Of course Christmas is about the gifts. It's about the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we are generous then and we are participating in gift giving, we are then taking on this characteristic of our Heavenly Father. We are looking more like him when we are, are, are giving these gifts and then the joy that we get to take part in when we give these gifts. We're showing generosity, we're showing care, we're showing kindness. We're so excited when people get to receive the gift that we are giving them. Whether it's something that you buy, something that you made, the quality time you spend with somebody, whatever that gift is, that showcases our heart of generosity. And joyful people are hospitable. We've kind of shrunk that word down to thinking that hospitality is just stuck to inviting people into your homes. And maybe after the Christmas season, you're like, never again. I'm never inviting anyone again into my home. Inviting people into homes, sharing life in that way is a beautiful gift that we get to celebrate as a family of God. But also hospitality can just look like inviting people into your lives inviting people into your heart, not trying to go it alone, saying, hey, listen, here, here's me. Here are my struggles. Here are my passions. 
Here's what God's doing in my life. When we are more open with each other, then we get to see God working in each other's lives. And there's encouragement in that. There's joy in that. When we're sharing joy with one another, when we're sharing our lives with one another while being hospitable, we get to enjoy other people's joy. We get to enjoy other people's joy. That's the beautiful thing about joy. Joy is not stuck to one time. When we get, get to experience joy again, we are then rejoicing. Experience joy a second time, you get to then rejoice. Joy is a lot like leftover chili. All right, hear me out, or soup, whatever the dish is. Think about a dish that you make it one night and it's really good. You're looking forward to enjoying it that evening. But what you're really looking forward to are the leftovers the next day because all the juices and the flavors are soaking into it. It just tastes better the second time. That is what joy is like. When we experience it again, we get to relive it. I, I get to spread my joy to you. You are spreading your joy to me. We get to rejoice together as we experience joy as a family of God. Paul continues on in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You ever hear the phrase that misery loves company? Yeah. We feel that sometimes. That you ever been in a miserable mood and you, you try to bring other people down? You're like, listen, I'm miserable and you're gonna be miserable with me and you're just gonna like it. Misery has, has a lot of inward focus to it. Maybe we feel like we've been wronged at some point. Maybe we feel like we're owed something, but misery has a lot of inward focus. But while misery may love company, joy thrives on company. Joy is, is magnified by company. Joy is, is healing. Joy is deepening relationships. Joy is mending of hearts when we get to rejoice together. Even in the section about mourn with those who mourn, there are some joyful moments in the midst of mourning. There are some joyful moments when we get to come alongside one another and say, I, you're hurting. You're hurting and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that, that you are experiencing that loss. I'm sorry that you are going through this, but let's mourn together and we can take joy in the fact that we are not alone. We realize that we're not alone. I think misery is easier to keep at bay and joy is then what we're focused on. Joy is an amazing thing where it cuts out any need for competition it cuts out any hierarchy, thinking that we're better than other people, thinking that we're owed something. Joy is this mending of our hearts and we get to rejoice, get to take part in the mending of other people's hearts as well. It's all through the hope that we have in our Savior Jesus, the hope fulfilled that leads to joy. There is an enemy of joy though. There's an enemy of joy that can get in the way sometimes, and that's vengeance. Vengeance kills joy. I'm gonna share something that probably doesn't come as a shock to any of us, but we all are dealing with stuff. 
we're all dealing with baggage. We've all gone through something in our lives that has caused us some hurt. And we can feel stuck carrying that around. The issue comes up is with this baggage, with this hurt that we're experiencing, we don't know what to do with it. And often it comes out in a way where we are lashing out at people. Where with our hurt, we then hurt other people. So this Christmas, it's most likely that you are gonna be hurt somebody. You are gonna be hurt by somebody. And if it's not this Christmas season, well, the New Year's right around the corner and there's plenty of opportunities <laughs> to experience some hurt and pain caused by somebody else. And our initial reaction might be to try to avenge ourselves, to try to even the scales, right the wrong. But what's amazing about the joy that we experience with our Heavenly Father is that we don't have to worry about evening the scales. We can just take ourselves out of the whole scale equation this Christmas season and focus instead on the hope that God has for us. Paul says in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Take yourself out of the vengeance equation. Don't look to right the scales. Don't look to try to right a wrong. Don't look to try to, if anyone's, if anyone's hurt you, that you feel like you're owed something. Because listen, God's, God's got the whole wrath thing under control. God's got that under control. So what can we focus on? Well, we can focus on just showing people what it means to exist in the hope of God. Show people what it means to have that hope fulfilled and then we now live in joy. Just show them. Not show them in a way where it says, this is where you're wrong and this is where I'm right. Hope you're taking notes. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we read this and, and we jump to the wrath of God and we're like, oh, goody, 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 they have it coming. We jump to the, put the burning coals on their head. Oh, goody, 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 they have it coming. No, what God is asking us to do is just to go out and show them by living a life that is defined by joy. Live a life that is defined by joy. I guarantee that if you have that one miserable person that came into your mind today, if you got that one miserable person, a way to show them the joy is to, is to just exist in that joy. To exist in the hope that we have because of our Savior Jesus Christ. I guarantee that if you just live that out, there's gonna start to be some questions. There's gonna start to be some questions that come up. Why are you like this? Why does this happen? Why doesn't this upset you? Why aren't you seeking vengeance? Why? For living differently, people are gonna take notice so how do we go about doing that? It starts with prayer. It starts with seeking out 
that conversation with our creator, it starts with praying for one. Because God's gonna transform your heart. God's gonna transform you from the inside out. It starts with prayer and it continues with living out in the joy of Christ every day. If you don't believe me, I wanna bring us back to number seven on the list of uh, most miserable characters. Number seven was the Grinch. What finally changed the Grinch's heart? It was the people of Whoville singing. The people of Whoville experiencing joy even though what might seem to some their Christmas has been ruined. Their presents are missing, their feast is missing, all this stuff. But what they do in the midst of adversity and troubles is they are filled with joy and they sing. I think that's what God's calling us to do, to be filled with joy, to worship him, to sing his praises, to live out a life that is defined not by false hopes or misplaced hopes, but a life that is defined by the hope we have in our creator and the joy to be fulfilled. We have immense hope to carry with us and we have great joy to celebrate. And as I mentioned, it's because of the, the gift of our savior, Jesus Christ. And each time that we worship together, we celebrate the, the gift of communion. We celebrate what Christ did for us on the cross together. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks, had a heart of thanksgiving. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup. He said, this is my promise to you. Isn't that amazing that the promises that he has for us? And this was a plan from the beginning and it was a promise fulfilled. It was the, the people of God, their hope fulfilled with the savior Jesus coming to them. He said, this is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king. This is a time of the year that might uh, carry a lot of weight for you. Might not be a time where you feel like you can take part in the joy of this Christmas season. You're working through some stuff. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love, we'd love to pray with you. To share with you that this joy is for you, that the Savior is for you. The Messiah has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, Will's down here, over to my right, Tammy's right here, to my left, I'll be in the front as well. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you any way that we can. If today's the day where you are hearing this good news of the hope and joy that is available through our Savior Jesus Christ, and you're saying, I'm all in. I'm all in, I, I wanna be part of this family, I wanna be part of this joy, you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, we'd love to talk with you about that, love to celebrate that with you. And if you're interested in any, in the act of baptism and the gift of baptism, love to help you through that next step as well. For anyone that's looking to get involved with what we got going on here at One Church, anyone that's looking to get plugged in with 
just being transformed by what God's doing through his people. Love to talk with you after service. We have our information desk behind me as well. But would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are so good. Lord, we are thankful that because of you, we have a hope that is fulfilled and we have a joy that we get to live and exist fully in, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this Christmas season. And Lord, we lift up our ones in our life that could really use some of your joy right now. Lord, I lift up anyone in this room that feels like they are distant from the joy that you have for them. Lord, the Savior has come to them. Lord, the truth of your joy and your love and your grace has come to them. Bow your healing spirit. Be over them today and as they go from this place. Lord, we are thankful for the ability to worship you, to align our hearts, to say, ah, God, there you are. You are everything that we need. To your name we pray. Amen. Tell it on the 
you Franklin go reach your one amen be blessed